Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Ball Solutions. We're here. We talk everything relationship. Even the current events discussions will tie back into your relationships. In the last podcast, I described the structure of this show. There would normally be two other individuals here to have a dialogue with and bounce ideas off of and to get their perspectives on different things. We're still going to do that. We're just trying to get our schedules together. But in the meantime, I'm going to give y'all these bangers. Let's go. Today, we're going to have a discussion about a review, rather, on Charlemagne the God's new book called Shook One. Anxiety playing tricks on me. And we also want to talk about toxic ambition. I bought Charlemagne's book. I pre-ordered it two weeks ago. It came in. I read it almost two, almost two times. I haven't got finished the second time. It's an easy read. It's entertaining, but it's very informative. Uh, it's based on anxiety and mental health. The first time I ever heard of mental health, like, well, let me not say that. The first time it became big on the scene to me was when mass shootings became the norm in America. I'm going to say that again. Mental illness became big to me. I started to see it more in main media and social media when mass shootings became normal. I'm not sure if white people needed an excuse to tell why they do some of the shit they do. Or is it really a big issue? Well, in my opinion, I think mental illness is a big issue. And I'm glad that it's now on the forefront of, uh, of discussion. Charlemagne starts his book out talking about the rap game and uh, his childhood, his upbringing. And how in the early 90s, mid 90s, the rappers talked and what they rapped about was basically anxiety. Things that they saw in the street, things that they hoped would not happen or things that were coming their way. And we heard these things over and over and over again. And when you play a song all the time, or if you're listening to these things and you're feeding yourself this, you you almost become that. You know, you uh, whatever you feed yourself is what you become. And that's what happened to him. So he believes that his anxiety started as a little boy, not only with the music that he listened to, but the unfair treatment that his father put his mother through. That caused him anxiety. He grew up in the South. The South, as we know, was a a very racially divided place where he was, it was normal for him to see, you know, these white boys ride down the street and pick up trucks and uh, with Confederate flags. But he, he didn't mind that kind of racism because he knew where they stood. It was for an example, hey, if we got a big snow snowstorm, we'll all help one another out. After that, 
I don't come on your grass. You don't come on mine. Just don't date my daughter. Even I agree with that. I understand that. Why? Because I can see you. I know where you stand. We can kind of, you know, we can exist. It was the underhand racism that he experienced more of the older that he got. More when he got into the job market and moved north. The kind of racism they have in government and corporate America in the urban cities and suburbs, you know, where they would shake your hand and smile in front of you, but behind closed doors systematically fuck you up. He also talks about relationship a little bit in his book when it came to his anxiety with relationship between him and his wife. Maybe, you know, him being high on marijuana would not have helped him. Drinking did not help his anxiety, but it would cause him to, to think, am I pleasing my wife? Am I loving my wife? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a husband? You know, because as men, we grow up and we're taught that all we're supposed to do is you got to procure and protect. And when you lack and when you have and when your confidence is not up in doing that, you kind of worry about it. And that's what he went through. You know, he also goes on to talk about cell phones and, and technology. I think this is a really good book to pick up if you have teenagers. You know, your teenagers, they spend so much time on the cell phones, the iPads, the computer, on all the apps, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, whatever the fuck that's out there. They're always on it and they're always in tune to what's going on, you know, <clears throat> where they're always judging themselves against everybody else's highlight reel. He even talks about the first thing that people, that couples go through when they reach for their cell phone first thing in the morning. What he tends not to do that. He said, I will not touch my cell phone for at least the first two hours of my day. Because how you start your day is how your day will go. I found it weird. I found it um, strange and alarming that a person will lay in bed next to their spouse or their significant other who they have chose. And the first thing that they would grab in the morning would be their cell phone. Because they want to say, see, who did I text? Who text me? What apps uh, notified me? What emails did I miss? Who did what? So then you have the young lady that wakes up in the morning, she grabs her cell phone, and the first thing she sees is this Instagram model with her ass out. Not thinking that that model worked for about six hours to get the right photo and the right lighting, greased up, and Photoshop. And now you want to judge yourself based off that highlight reel. And they, people often judge their spouses based off those highlight reels. That also brings on anxiety. Back to the apps. The apps, he said, there's an app that you can get. I, I can't remember the, the name of them, but the apps have um, these other apps that can be downloaded to your phone, which can monitor and regulate the times in which your teens are on those apps so they don't get too involved and too carried away with it. It was really a good read. You should get it for those resources. Here we go. He talks about stereotypes and police and schools. I can relate to everything that he said previously, but here I really feel it due to what we see on main media and social media, innocent 
Well, I'm not going to always say innocent, but they may be. But unarmed black people being shot by the police. He describes his feelings when a police officer pulls up behind him and they don't even have their lights on and the anxiety that he feels. You know, most black men can contest to that feeling. Police pulls up behind you. First thing you do, turn your ball cap around forward. Turn your music up, down. Roll your windows down if you have tent. Kind of sit up a little bit. One might even put their hands at the 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock position on the stern wheel. But it's, it's because of history and the way that we're stereotyped and the things that we have seen that causes us to think like this. Even while the police lights aren't on. The police may not be even on duty. The police may be minding their business and on the cell phone like they always are. But we still feel that anxiety. God forbid if they do cut on the lights. Now we have to think, how do I get my license and registration with the least amount of movement possible? So now I have to become this magician to get the information that the police is going to need so that I don't scare the cop. Well, look, I don't give a fuck. I do care about the ticket, but I don't give a fuck about the ticket for real because I will find a way to pay it or not pay it. But I do need to make it from point A to point B. Just let me make it home to my family at the end of the day. But he says, he wonders how many white folks have to go through that? How many people outside the black community have to really think, whoa, damn, there's a police officer behind me. Is something wrong with my tags? Is something wrong with my lights? Do I have anything on me that will cause me to get locked up to go to jail? There was a good, a pretty weird study that came out, but I thought it was interesting. It had to do with the Holocaust survivors and their offspring. So they tested these survivors and noticed that there was, I'm going to call it a stress gene that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. And the stress gene was caused by the events of the Holocaust. So they say. But this test was not done on DOSs. I'm going to call them descendants of black slaves. And I wonder why. Wouldn't we show the same trait? Or would we? But that's another discussion for another podcast. Hey, I think you guys should go get this book. He did a really good job on it. This is the second book of his that I've read. Uh, The first book was called Black Privilege. It was very informative, but also entertaining. This book had a lot of information that um, I think the black community needs to read about. You may not agree with everything that Charlemagne says on The Breakfast Club or whatever, but uh, definitely check him out about the mental health issues. And black men, we really need to think about communicating with one another or someone about how we feel or what's going on with us mentally. You know, we often find that we don't have people to talk to. You know, when a woman breaks up in a relationship, she has an entire support system. Her girlfriends, her mama, her cousins, people on the job, the next nigga that's trying to fuck. A whole nother support system. 
where men, we go to our guys, you know, we might be feeling down. They tell us, hey, man, get over it, man. Man, let's go get the bitches. Well, that's not what may be healthy for us at that time, you know? And so you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to because they think, okay, if I go to my guys with this, they're going to think I'm soft. So black men, it's okay. Is it okay now for us to talk about this stuff? You know, is it okay to go outside the barbershop to have conversations about what's on our minds? I think it's worthwhile reading and thinking about. Let's talk about toxic ambition. Toxic ambition. What does toxic ambition mean to you? You know, um, the word ambition, the etymology definition states that it means to seek favor. So that's kind of great of me, you know, that's kind of weird to seek favor. So the question should be, who are you trying to get favor from? And I'm a believer that if you have not written your own narrative, you cannot control your own reality. So if I'm not controlling my own reality and I haven't written my own narrative, what boss am I looking up to? Who do I, who am I putting my self-esteem, who am I charging my self-esteem with? Who has to carry that load? It's no one else's job to do that but yours, your own self-esteem. Along with toxic ambition, I think we should marry the word potential. I think they go hand in hand. They work together. Because potential could potentially be false hope. And because we live in this capitalistic society, which is very transactional, we're always worried about what have you done for me lately? What can you provide? What can you produce? And this starts in the very, very beginning of relationship, especially the intimate relationship. Guy meets girl, girl meets guy, they go out. Oh, shit. She get with him. She like him because he got green eyes and soft hair. No, oh, yeah, no, nah, he might not got what I need right now, but he got potential. So then she falls for him for what he may or may not be able to produce. But when the relationship fails, she blames him instead of her idea, the potential. See, we shouldn't date an idea. We should fall in love with people merely based upon the act of being. Who are you? Where you are now? Am I able to love that? Relationships should also be spiritual. And it is a mirror. You are who you attract. I listened to uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith uh, podcasts on Facebook and it had to do with missing the mark, you know. Um, and Will, without using the word toxic ambition, he stated that his grounds for a good marriage was because he brought home money and fame. Meanwhile, his wife had been crying every morning that she woke up for two years straight. She wasn't crying based on what the life that Will Smith had built. It was a decent life. It was a great life. They didn't want for anything. But she was more so crying because of the work that needed to be done within her. 
His ambition was toxic. It had nothing to do with his wife spiritually. It had to do with societal norms, the transaction. Well, if I do this like this, she'll love me the way that she'll love me like that. She'll be happy. Jada Pinkett said it best. People in, rela in, in relationships are on two different pathways that need to meet back in the middle to, number one, support one another. And two, try to please one another. And shares each other's lives. I also read this post on Facebook. The picture had uh, this brother holding this beautiful, thick sister. I call them BBWs. Man, she was beautiful. She had a couple rows, which I love. I like them, you know eat them all up all day long twice on sunday but up under the post up under the actual picture it read that my wife and i are educators in the school system and we got married a couple years back after our first year of marriage she gained up to 40 pounds so i had a conversation with her and let her know hey i don't like this it's this not healthy she promised me that it would change it didn't. So I decided to go get her a membership to a gym. I started going to the grocery store and shopping for the house, even preparing the food. Nothing changed. So I stopped having sex with her because I was not attracted to her anymore is what he said. And then he said at the very end, what should I do? Well, if I'm talking to this young brother, man, I would tell him that he missed the mark also, that he fell in love with an idea and his ambition in the relationship was toxic, that he fell in love with what they could be and what they should look like, instead of falling in love with her being. You know, in a relationship, especially in a marriage, anything that you have going on in your life will be magnified, positive or negative. If you drink too much, it's gonna be a spotlight put on it. If you got bad credit, a spotlight is going to be put on it. If you don't know how to talk to people or you don't know how to be a friend, a spotlight will be put on it. It will magnify. It will be magnified in relationship. I think that young brother has a lot more insecurities of his own that he should worry about. It is my belief that when you start to focus on you, people are going to do one or two things. They're going to fix themselves, make themselves better, or they're going to get the fuck away from you. Either one is a win-win situation, personally. Have you been the person with toxic ambition? I know I have. Not knowingly, but, you know, as a youngin', you know, all we taught, especially as a young black man, all we taught is, man, you need to go out there and go get it. But nobody fucking tells us how to fucking go get it the right way. And to go get what? What am I going to go get? Some money? Cool. So once I get the money, am I getting the money to get the girl? So once I get the money and I got the girl, I got to continue to get the money to continue to get the to, to keep the girl. Well, that's all transactional. That's all fucked up. That's all westernized love there. I wouldn't even call it love. Westernized society. Yeah, if you grew up in the Middle East or somewhere in Africa, you know, your whole belief systems are different. But here in America, you got to sing that Janet Jackson song. What have you done for me lately? You, you know, y'all know that song. You know, Jill Scott. Is it Jill Scott? Um, no, it's Lettucey. She has a new song called What?
can what have you sown into me or what have you put into me? Once again, we rely on other people to put into us and try to fill some void. I can't fill any void that my wife has. Shout out to my wife. Love you to death. I can't fill it. She has to look within. My job is to support is to, to support her through whatever misunderstandings that she has or miseducation that she has and to help lift her up to, so that she can be the best person that she can be. Relationship is there to make us a better us, spiritually and physically. You should want to show up the best person that you can be. Hey, I don't have all the answers. I, don't, I might not have one answer. But I can start the conversation. Hey, go pick up Charlemagne's new book and stop being so goddamn toxic. You can reach me on Facebook at Frankie Ball, on Instagram at FBall112, and on Twitter at 301Frankie. Hey, I'm going to see y'all a little later now.